welcome back to another week of our podcast. I don't know about you guys, but like I look forward to this every week. Mm -hmm. I feel like it has really forced me especially to, to dig in, to um, look a little deeper at some of these things that before it would have been easy just to kind of talk about them on Sunday and then move on. Um, mm -hmm. So I've really been enjoying it. I've lost track of what week we are on in um, the epic series We're but um week, Josh, five. week five week okay five, yeah I, I can't keep track you want to go ahead and kind of give us a rundown of where we've been yeah. where we're at yeah so we've kind of expanded this epic series uh to last the summer because there's a lot there uh it's it's hard to just gloss over and get through it in four weeks and so uh, basically what we've been doing is is we've been tracking with the israelites um, as they have um, left slavery they've been freed from slavery and they and they've uh, gone through the desert and, and basically we, we kind of started this series by looking at, at Joshua and Caleb as they are uh, looking into the promised land and kind of sending out spies but things look a little bit too scary and so they uh, they pull back and that leads to this time of wandering uh, in the in the wilderness and then we looked at Rahab um, and uh, how how uh, she kind of helped the Israelites and promised to help the Israelites. And, and what we'll see actually uh, in today's scripture is kind of how that all unfolds and, and kind of the, the result of, of her helping. Uh, and then last week we, we looked at crossing the, uh, the Jordan River and, uh, and just how um, God was with them. And that led them to set up memorial stones to remember and to pass on those stories of how God has has been with them. And so uh, for the past four weeks, I believe it was, <clears throat> uh, we taught, we kind of had this idea of having God's perspective, looking at things from God's perspective. And now as the story continues, we're shifting to kind of, okay, we have this perspective and now it's time to act. Now it's time to do something. Uh, and so here we are uh, getting ready to take the promised land. And that's kind of where we're going to be uh, landing today. And uh, what, what we have in the story, we have Joshua. And th this has been been the story of Joshua. He's been, and, and as I'm sitting here thinking about it, it's so interesting that Joshua's been part of all these, these different little aspects of the story. And Joshua's the warrior leader. And um, Moses is gone, and now Joshua's leading him. He's led him across the Jordan River. He's, he, he's led them to send spies to investigate the land, and, and we have the whole Rahab experience. And then he comes to Jericho, and Jericho, uh, the, the, the scripture, uh, chapter 6, begins with this simple phrase, that the, the, the walls or the gates of Jericho were locked tight, mm -hmm. were shut tight. And so uh, th these people were ready for a siege, and you know, typically those sieges would last weeks or months or even into years. And so they're prepared for this siege. They'll, you know, these walls are going to be hard for, for Israel to overcome. And so what are, what are they going to do? How are they going to attack this fortified, this, this city? And, and so God gives Joshua the plan of action. And the plan of action is completely different than what you would expect. Uh, God says, okay, I want you to, to march around the city once and uh, every day for six days. And then the, the seventh day, I want you to mark around, march around the city seven days. And at the end of the march, I want uh, the, the trumpets to blow and the priest or the people to scream or shout. And after the, the, the people shout, the walls will fall flat. And, and that's exactly what happens. And, and so Joshua, this warrior, uh, leads the armies or leads the people around uh, the walled cities. The walls fall and they conquer the city. Uh, they, they preserve the family of Rahab. Uh, they do just as they promised. And, and this is the first victory, the first major victory 
uh, that Joshua has yeah. after Moses. Yeah, it's a comical story. <laughs> it really, like, it it's really a veggie tale story. It is it so is, much a veggie tale story. Uh, yeah. I know, I've done like so many times veggie tales. Like they twisted it and it got maybe so far off course. I'm like, but I feel like if anybody's watched the Veggie Tales version of this, like I feel like it is on point. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you, you don't have to tweak it much to make, to make no. a really good, uh, a really good Veggie Tales out of it. Yeah. Don't they do them French? They have the French the accents. French peas yeah. are just yeah ridiculing them and like keep walking, keep walking. But I love that you kind of brought up that idea about the gates being shut tight because we were going to talk a lot about waiting and kind of um, what that looks like. But I was thinking back to that song about the dry bones, like, since when is impossible, like, ever stopped God? So I feel like all throughout the Bible, we just kind of see him um, reimagining what we think of as impossible and just saying, well, no, like, see it differently. See it, look, look at this differently. Look at the way I see it. And so when we, um, when we throw up that word impossible, I feel like that's, that's something we're putting yeah. up. That's never a word that right. limits yeah. God. And, and he reimagined, like, he's forcing us to totally reimagine how it would be possible, right? Because I can conceive ways that those walls could fall down, yeah. right? Like I can, I can totally conceive of, of uh, what that would look like and, and how that would uh, work, but it's totally not like how it actually happens, right? Right. <laughs> Which well, is you've even heard the story where it's like, well, the vibrations and that level of consistent vibration can like, and it's like, but still, <laughs> to, to orchestrate all of that, like who would have ever thought to just yeah. keep walking around a city? And even if it was, the, the vibrations caused the mortar right. to yeah. like, yeah. that still <laughs> is not what you would typically think of in right. a battle plan. Yeah. No, no, sure. not after seven days. Those are pretty, some pretty <laughs> bad walls. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> it's like maybe the veggie tales did build. And it always reminds me, nothing is impossible with God. Nike has the, the saying, impossible is nothing. Mm -hmm. uh, and, but that's not original to Nike. Right. No. <laughs> you know, they just reversed what, yeah. what, what's been said in the, the Bible all along. It's, it, yeah. it, it reminds me of the angel visiting Mary and, and uh, he tells her that she's going to have a baby and she's a virgin. And then he tells her that her, her aged aunt's going to have a baby. And she says, how can that be? Which is always kind of comical to me. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> and, and the angel says, nothing will be impossible with God. Yeah. And, and, I, and I guess, yeah, I think that's probably a good way to lead off. Just as you consider this scripture that, um, that, that all of us are facing impossible circumstances mm -hmm. or difficult circumstances sure. or seemingly impossible circumstances. And, and I think at the beginning of this conquest, God wants Joshua to see that uh, nothing, nothing's impossible for him and, mm -hmm. and that he can provide uh, supernatural power <laughs> and, and different ways of achieving uh, the goal. Right. And yeah. uh, sometimes that's hard to see. Yeah. Right. Well, especially when you see something like this where it's like it almost feels like God acted immediately to remove that impossible barrier. Where it's like when we face impossible things, we, we know he could act in an instant and just yeah. completely fix everything. And the times when we see that he doesn't choose to act immediately or in our timing, when we kind of submit ourselves to his timing, um, he's still working to, to achieve the impossible, but it's not always on our timeline. It's good. It's yeah. good. Yeah. I saw somebody had posted, I don't know if it was Josh or, or Mara, uh, about waiting does not necessarily mean doing nothing or sitting passively. Mm -hmm. And so what's it mean to be actively waiting in the kingdom? What, what do you think that means? It's a good question because um, as I was, you know, I, I know you had noted that this has kind of been a, an overwhelming theme uh, that you've been seeing here is just this idea of waiting on God's timing 
and uh, and moving when God moves or when God says to move. And I hate it, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll just be if honest. Anybody, I don't like waiting. <laughs> if you don't know Paul well, he's not one to just sit around. Yeah. So funny story. I, I Spencer was talking about uh, your all's beach vacations. Uh, you mentioned on Sunday, and just the fact that you love to just sit and float, and that's just that's mind blowing to me because you are not one to just sit by and do nothing. So. I guess the beach makes you do crazy yes. things. But uh, anyway, um, this idea of, of waiting but not sitting by doing nothing. And, and, and I, don't, I don't know that I'm, I necessarily have an answer for that. But, but it did make me wonder, like, are there also times where we kind of use waiting on God uh, as a reason to never do something, to never do anything as like, you know, well, it's not God's time or, or and, and, I, and I'm wondering, like, are there things in just in Scripture, in the story of God, things that we know about God where, like, I don't have to wait on God to tell me to go. Right. Mm-hmm. Like if there's just for instance, if there is injustice, like I know that God does not want us to just sit by and wait for the right time. Um, and so find it kind of. I don't know, maybe you guys have thoughts on this, just trying to find that balance of like waiting on God, but then not using that as an excuse to just never do anything. Yeah, like forgiveness. You know, you don't have to wait on God to give you the power to forgive. You begin that process of mm-hmm. forgiving and in the process, God will, God will come to you. Yeah. you. You don't wait for God to give or serve or, or, or he'll rejoice or be, give thanksgiving. There, there's all sorts of things that we need to be actively doing because God's already asked us to do those right. things. Yeah. Well, even in forgiveness, we don't even have to wait for the other person to apologize. Right. Like yeah. forgiveness yeah. is a gift that you can give proactively because really what it is, it's releasing your right to like seek revenge, to seek justice, yeah. to make it right on your terms. So even if the other person, maybe they don't even know they've wronged you, but if you're holding a wrong, you can forgive. Yeah. Forgiveness is not a transaction between you and another person. It's a transaction between you and God yeah. where you release to God. Right. And, People wait for it. Well, they haven't asked me to forgive. Mm -hmm. And they carry that for years and years, and it eats you alive as opposed to the other person. So, yeah, there's all sorts of things in the Bible uh, that that God has instructed us. And and I think sometimes, you know, to reverse this, sometimes God's waiting for us to Mm -hmm. to do the things he's already asked us (laughs) to do. Yeah, sure. no, I'm the queen of like starting books and not finishing them. So I will full disclosure. I feel like sometimes when I talk to David, I'm like, how have you read that many books? But I did. I started reading this book and I picked it up. Actually, I think it was a, it was a while ago, a series you did. I feel like you used this phrase about doing the next right thing. Mm-hmm. And then I ended up coming across this book and it was literally called that. It was called the next right thing. And it was just interesting as I started to read it and I have not finished it. But just talking about how like every day we are encountering lots of choices where we can just keep walking forward and doing the right thing, yeah. the right thing in that situation, right. the right thing for that person, the right thing for even for ourselves. Yeah. And so we don't have to be trapped in just doing nothing or passively right. waiting for God to literally pick us up and move mm. us. But as we go through our day, we are making series of choices all the time. And if we're always seeking to do the next right thing, then that's leading us in the right direction. Mm. It reminds me that when I was in junior high and, and so this is 40 years ago this this lady came to st paul's church of the nazarene who was corey ten boom's um personal assistant huh. and so you know she was fascinating she, and corey ten boom would literally pray okay um, god it's time for me to go to this place should i walk or should i take the bus <laughs> should, should i wear this dress 
or this and every decision. And I've often wondered about that. And, you know, I, I'm not going, you know, Corey Ten Boom, good night. <laughs> you know, I don't know why. Who am I? But, but, but I do think that, that there's a, a natural course of life that, that we're to live. Yeah. That, that you, know, you know, I don't need God to tell me, okay, Paul, you, you need to give or to serve. Yeah. He's already told me yeah. that previously. Right. Right. Uh, so I don't need to wait for an answer for that. Mm-hmm. Maybe some folks out there listening, that's... that's that's your manner of living. I, I can't say that that's mine. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder then, so to take it even a step farther, um, do, are, are there times where we may miss the move of God because we're waiting on God to say go? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, and, and in reality, God is already moving. Um, I don't know. Um, and, and then if that's the case, like, I don't know what, I don't know practically how do we do that? How do we wait for God to move, but also not miss God moving because we're, um, but, but again, I think that, that idea of the next right thing is, is significant. Um, in this moment, we can get so caught up and, you know, far down the road, but in this moment, what is the next right thing? Right. And I think it's interesting if like Corey Tengu was like, should I walk or should I ride the bus? Like, I feel like that shows that she was open and aware of this idea that there may either there may be a person that she would encounter walking that like that that's where God was gonna move that day. Or there may be a person that she was gonna ride next to on the bus. And so just being like open and aware to this idea that no matter honestly, no matter where I end up, there could be someone there that God wants to use me to kind of, to nudge, to sow a seed, to um, I don't know, awaken to his his awareness of his presence. Yeah. Now, I, I used the illustration, and, and I don't know if I used it, in the, I think I used it in the second service, not the first service, that when you catch a wave, mm-hmm. you know, you were, you're, you're riding that wave, and, and the ideal is to catch this wave of God, and, and the reality is, you know, we can be wet with God, but not catching the wave of God, mm-hmm. that we yeah. can be in the water, but not, and, and so I, I think a lot of us are satisfied with just being mm-hmm. wet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When God's calling us to ride, mm-hmm. um, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm stretching that illustration too far, uh, but but I think there's a lot of truth to that. That yeah. that um, you know we need to pay attention. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and in this situation with Joshua, um, you know, if God would have said, and, and there's plenty of instances of this where they just fight typical battles mm-hmm. that, that I don't think God lays out any particular yeah. different way. Just okay, mm-hmm. take this city. Mm-hmm. Like, take this city. Which is always awkward to us. I mean, we're, we're in the Old Testament. And we're talking about these. These are problematic scriptures yeah. in, in that were, you know, as you read these literally, they're wiping out villages and, mm-hmm. and cities. And, and, and your, your pastor, and I know you guys do, which I struggle with those. Mm-hmm. Uh, some, some of these, these ideas here. And um, it seems so counter to the Jesus we encounter. And, <laughs> but, but it is what it is. Yeah. Uh, but there's times that Joshua is just sent out and there's no particular, and he goes in his own strength, not his own strength, goes in God's strength, but in the way God has designed him. Mm-hmm. And so um, yeah. maybe we're focused on the one when the vast majority are not like this. Mm. Right. Yeah, That's, uh, I'm glad you addressed the elephant in the room of the, uh, <laughs> of the, of the passage, because it is, it's tough. Uh, and it's, but some, so I, as I was reading this again this morning, um, 
the instructions that, that God gives to Joshua are about the marching and the walls coming down. And maybe, maybe I'm missing this, but as I'm reading this, there's nothing in those instructions about going in and wiping out every living thing. But that's what they do. And so, like, I can't help but think, like, man, was God's move this, we're taking this city, like, the walls are coming down in this way. But then in their, you know, in their understanding, like, it was this, okay, now we're going to just wipe everybody out. Um, which I never, I never really noticed that before. But that, those weren't actually God's instructions. God's instructions were about the marching and the, and the walls coming down. Um, and so then I want like, okay, are there times where we wait for God to move and, and then we move and once we get started, then we just kind of go and do our own thing, um, and, and just how we want it to, to end up. I don't know. It, it definitely, Joshua understood his role as to, um, cleanse the land from outsiders. Mm -hmm. I mean, there, there's no question. There's a, a good part of that, even though we, we realize, um, you know, when the Bible uses, uh, they destroyed everyone in the city, it's hyperbole. I mean, it's, 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 it's exaggeration. They mm -hmm. didn't. They obviously mm -hmm. don't. Yeah. Uh, matter of fact, at one point in Joshua, it talks about how Joshua has conquered the entire land. And then later on, it talks about all these places that are still still present. Mm -hmm. And so th there's, there's a bit of hyperbole here. There's a bit of exaggeration. Um, and, and the destruction of the land, and, and, and there's definitely an understanding or destruction of the people that they needed to do it. Uh, you know, I, I keep coming back to Saul, and Saul is supposed to destroy a city, and he keeps the cattle, yeah. and Samuel comes to him, and, and Saul goes, now did you destroy everything? Mm -hmm. And Saul says, yeah, yeah. And, and Samuel says something to the effect, then how come I hear cows? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so they, they definitely had that understanding. And it, it, it is. If, if you, when we track this through the lens of Jesus, this, these are difficult scriptures. Um, and, and, you know, we, we would, that is the elephant in the room, mm -hmm, that, that the Old sure. Testament, sometimes it's very difficult and, and it shakes people's faith. I'll, I'll, and I want you to know as your pastor that, that I'm not immune to that, that, that when yeah. I see these sometimes yeah. it's, it's troubling to me. Uh, I'm not exactly understanding completely what's going on. And, but then you always get back to the scripture, you, your ways are not my ways. Yeah. And, and we understand that, that God maybe has, a, has seen things at a higher plane than we are. As a matter of fact, we know that he is. Right. Um, well, and I feel like we see kind of glimmers of that redemption in even in Rahab's story and right. this idea that, and I think that there were lots of people from these groups that even did kind of assimilate into the Israelites' culture. And so, like, I do, I do feel like we see that there was opportunities for redemption. There was opportunities for them to, to turn or to to serve God. And so, I, I'm oftentimes I feel like maybe we just we aren't seeing all of those stories, but I feel like we're hinting or we're seeing hints of them. And just even that Rahab was able to save her whole family just by her profession of faith. And I think you even see that with when, when they enter into the, the Exodus, that there were Egyptians that joined mm -hmm. them on their journey. So th throughout this, there has been uh, people groups that, that joined them, or, or at least, um, you know, I, I think that they, there, there seems to be this hint of opportunity to allow them to have their land. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and if they have their land, then they... There, there is a, a an allowance of, um, of life. It's, it's, it's difficult. Sure. I mean, and you also have to understand the context of the passage that, that we're not reading a story that happens after Jesus. Uh, it's, it's 
you know, 2,000 years mm -hmm. prior to Jesus. Sure. So you're talking 2000 BC in cultures that um, are a lot different than our culture. And, uh, but, but it is what yeah. it is. Yeah. Can I, can I just, I, I just have to uh, be a little bit critical of those who went through and put chapters and verses in, uh, in the scripture, because <laughs> we understand <laughs> that they didn't come that way. Right. right. Um, right. But, but verse Mine 20, <laughs> <laughs> like the original manuscripts had those. No, those are added later. But verse 21, this is, I, I couldn't get past this this morning when I was reading it. They devoted the city to the Lord and destroyed with every sword, uh, with the sword, every living thing in it. <laughs> The verse is, they devoted the city to the Lord and destroyed all the living things with them. I'm like, those need to be two different verses there. <laughs> Devoting the city to the Lord by killing everyone. Yeah. <laughs> it just struck me as odd. Yeah. You guys could have divided that a little bit better. There. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I digress. <laughs> what were we talking about? I don't know. <laughs> what do we got? So we're talking about waiting. Um, and, and, and this seems to be a waiting and a... Um, following passage um, what do you think about waiting how does it help us with our perspective i mean we talked about perspective in last series now i'm looking at the scripture too mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah um i think just the and i think paul you had made note of this in here just the we live in an instant gratification kind of society and culture and where where we want things now you know and if mcdonald's takes more than two minutes to get our to get our cheeseburgers and we're mad um but but it goes from everything it goes from our, our news cycle right like we uh it's whoever breaks the story first even if it's not actually accurate because they just want to get something out there and it's you know we can blame the media but the truth is, is it's us that are you know we're consuming it and we're that's what we're wanting and so uh, just this, I, I think the times where, where God has us wait um, can be so stinking difficult, but can be so uh, significant in shaping our, our perspective, um, who we are, just our, our disciplines, um, and just being able to wait, um, I think is significant for our kind of our, our faith um, journey, our discipleship being forced to wait is very difficult. Yeah. I think it's interesting. I feel like the idea of waiting is honestly a pretty subjective term because it's like, well, what are you waiting for? Because I feel like we attach waiting to like an event, but it's like, as we are actively living our lives, things are happening. So it's, we don't just live where there is nothing happening. I can't remember the last time I had a day where literally <laughs> nothing. nothing happened. Yeah. Because even if I'm doing nothing, I'm still breathing. My body is still right. doing things. And so when we think about waiting, I think sometimes that's a, so much of a forward focus mm. that we feel like what we're doing right now is, is worthless or it's useless. I mean, I think about even sometimes, oh, do the next right thing. Well, that can feel pretty monotonous at times. Like, like you're marching in a circle around a city over and over and over <laughs> yeah. again. Like you're like, the landscape hasn't changed. This is still the same. Um, but as I was thinking about them doing that, okay, in seven and six days, as they're marching around, like I do feel like there had to have been some some changes happening in them. One, I mean, they're seeing more of the land and they're getting a better view of, of that. But also, I feel like they're starting to take ownership and really, um, I don't know, strengthening their resolve that even if it feels silly, I mean, I think about the French peas over the wall, like throwing slushies at them, like that had to feel kind of ridiculous for a group of warriors to just be marching. So, but like every time that they took that next 
step forward, they are strengthening in their resolve. Like th yeah. this, this feels silly, but this is right. This is where God's calling me. This is mm. what I'm going to do. And so as much as their time in the wilderness kind of transformed them from slaves into this, this group of, of potential warriors, I feel like that also could have had some transformative effects mm. on them as far as, well, yeah, they're warriors, but ultimately who are they following? That's good. Mm. You know, I, I think it's a it's a it's a transformation of focusing on what we're waiting for to how we're waiting. Mm -hmm. That that when 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 our focus is on what we're waiting for, then then we tend to live in tomorrow, and and, and all we have is today. That so so in the waiting, something needs to be happening, mm -hmm. and so our focus is less on what we're hoping to have happens in the future. Our our focus should be in, okay, how am I gonna wait in the present? Mm. How am I gonna wait in the now so that I'm able to, to live better in, in the future? Yeah. Um, uh, that, it's kind of making me think about just spiritual disciplines uh, in general. Um, Mara, what you're saying of, you know, this seems silly and I have no idea what the end game of this is, but I have the resolve to do this and do this. And, and it just, mm -hmm. it made me think of just times of, kind of wandering in my walk with Christ where like I am just this is I'm not seeing God I'm not hearing God this seems to be a time of of silence and I don't have any idea what's going on um, but those kind of spiritual disciplines of like uh, even when I don't feel this or I don't get those results like I want to keep doing those things. Um, I, I say sometimes um, it, it's almost like in our spiritual disciplines, in our liturgy, and in our rituals and routines. Like there are times where I feel like it's it's kind of it's fake it till you make it, and, and I don't necessarily mean that because it, I'm not faking it, but like I'm not doing it because in the moment I'm feeling it or I'm I'm seeing that immediate result. I'm doing it because I know that. God will be faithful. Um, and, and so in those moments, I'm going to keep on doing that, knowing that God is, is there, is with me. Um, That's good. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and, and so, so sometimes, and, and, and I've said this often, I, I, Thanksgiving is an action that affects our attitude. Yeah, sure. <laughs> that, that when we give thanks, it's not always because we feel thankful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we may not, as a matter of fact, we may not feel right. thankful. Mm -hmm. That's why we give thanks. Yeah. Uh, we may not feel joyful. That's why we rejoice. And so some of these things we do, not because we feel them in the moment, mm -hmm. uh, but because uh, we believe we that, that God is developing something within our attitude and, our, and the way we perceive life through doing them. Mm -hmm. uh, so every time you come into to Sunday morning worship, you may not want to sing. You may not like the song. You, you, you may, I mean, I, I'm lucky. I get up on Sunday mornings at like, you know, 5.30 or 6, and, and I get to church anywhere from, six, well, now I get later because... COVID-19. Uh, so I get in here from 6.30 to 7.30 and I'm in my office and, you know, I don't have to get kids ready. You guys have little ones. And, uh, you know, it was like the blessing when I became a pastor. Now Terry yeah. had to take care yeah. of all the little ones. And so it's like the least stressful yeah. time of my life. But yeah. some of you are coming to church and it's been a battle mm. to get here. Yeah. Um, and, and so there's there's a, an adjustment you need to make in, in worship time is, I'm going to worship now, maybe because I don't feel like it, mm. and it's in these moments of faking it till I mm. make it that God creates yeah. something new in our attitudes and our hearts. Mm. 
Yeah, well, we honestly believe that our faith grows the most in those times when we do feel mm -hmm. like we are struggling the most, when we are in, in that wilderness, when we're yeah. in that moments of silence. Because oftentimes once the big breakthrough happens, that's the easiest time it is that there is to forget how much God has done and how involved he's been. But in those moments when we were seeking him and just determining day after day, like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick with him. I'm gonna stick with this. I'm gonna get my kids ready for church and we are gonna get there. Like those are the moments when we are really communicating and showing that our faith is, um, is in this and that we aren't willing to just throw it away because we've had a rough morning. That's good. You know, as I think about that, I, I, I'm a, um, a very goal-oriented person. Um, I, I think Josh was a goal-oriented person. Mm -hmm. I think Josh was always thinking next, next, yeah. what's next, what's next. Um, I, I think of the Apostle Paul. I, I think the Apostle Paul was like that. And it seems like God builds into these people's lives sure. these moments where they have to wait. Yeah. Um, and and so in, in my life, I hate the waiting. I do. Yeah. I hate the waiting because there's always the next. Yeah. But but I also know with my personality, once I get to the next, there's always a next. Uh -huh. I, you know, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm just goal oriented. Um, yeah. I don't know where I'm going with that. But you no, see what I'm saying? For sure. For sure. I think it's yeah. And, and, and on the other hand, there are personalities um, maybe guilty of it where like I'm like, you know what, I'm good here. Like, <laughs> I'm, I don't need to be in a hurry to get anywhere. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. And so God gives me then opportunities to, like, come on, Josh. Like, a little kick in the pants, right? So so I think that there, it, it definitely is different for different uh, personalities. Yeah. You, know, you would be more inclined to move ahead of God, um, where I would, would be probably more inclined to be left behind <laughs> on the move of God. <laughs> I feel like I'm like half in both camps. As soon as I'm like, how can I even think about tomorrow? Because there's so much to do today. And then like I go to bed and I'm like, man, I just wish I had gotten that done and this done. And almost like I don't let myself even think about tomorrow because I'm, I'm kind of stuck right. thinking about the things that yeah. were undone right. from yeah. that day and like feeling like I'm waking up tomorrow already behind. Um, but yeah. yeah. Well, today always leads to tomorrow. Uh, I mean, it does. I, I mean, true. new mercies, and, and so <laughs> new mercies. Yeah. But besides that, I mean, we, we do. There, there is this aspect that we're living in today, and that's all we have. Mm -hmm. But there is tomorrow, yeah. and so in today, there's preparation mm -hmm. for tomorrow, sure. <laughs> and yeah. there's reflection on yesterday. Yeah. I mean, so all of that is involved mm -hmm. in today. But if you live too much in the reflection that you don't live in today, then you're missing the point. If you live in too much in tomorrow that, that you don't seize today, you're yeah. missing. So somehow there's gotta be that balance yeah. of living in today with our eyes towards tomorrow and yesterday. Um, sounds like a country song. <laughs> I just thinking, sing, I would sing. So you mean those like, those cliches of like, you only have today aren't always like, <laughs> we can't always take them at face value. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, well, what, what's Jesus say? Uh, don't worry about tomorrow. Today has enough trouble on its yeah, own. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody thinks, you know, Jesus always says these things. And it's all somber. I just, yeah. I just think people laughed oh, yeah, when Jesus said, sure. and not, not that Jesus was a comic, but yeah. he understood the reality of mm -hmm. life. Yeah. And, you know, these people are thinking, hey, why are you guys worried about tomorrow? You have enough trouble today. Yeah. Uh, focus on that. <laughs> <laughs> I often read him with just a twinge of sarcasm. That could be because that is so often my, uh, my yeah, take on things sure. sometimes. But I'm like, yeah, I I feel like I feel like he was he was maybe trying to be a little funny here, yeah. and, oh, yeah. and definitely, definitely. Yeah. for sure, preacher jokes, <laughs> the original version. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, well, what else That's we good. got, guys? You know, I think. 
man, I think that that's, that's good. Um, just that, just that idea of, of being willing to wait on God, but also being willing to, to move with God (laughs) is a, it's a, it's a tough balance. And I think that we have to, we have to do work to, to get there. Uh, we can't just sit by and expect it to happen. Well, you guys are our resident experts on kids. (laughs) You're our go-to people. Uh, what would you tell families? How, how do you teach kids to wait? How do you teach kids to go? Um, are there some practical things uh, that, that you would suggest? I think just just involving your kids and teens in your own life and following God. Because um, the truth is, is we all have those those times where we're trying to figure out what God has for us. Um, and, and, and there's processes that we go through in, in determining that. But I don't know that we always make that a public thing. And, and I just think, man, are there things in my life that I'm wrestling with or just trying to figure out in my, in my walk with God? And are there ways that I can involve my kids? Mm-hmm. Um, That's good. And, and not that like, you know, I'm, you know, Jensen, what should I do here? <laughs> right? Like, right. But, <laughs> I don't know, maybe, maybe sometimes like, we should. <laughs> like video games and just yeah. let it go. Yeah, that's right. Um, but just, I, I don't know, in, in some way having conversations that include them and involve them so that they can see us kind of working through those processes. Uh, I think that's a lot of, honestly, as a lot of discipleship is just... Mm-hmm including people in that process in your own process oh, so that good. they can yeah they can see that yeah. rather than just like a formula of like this is how you do it do it this this and this it's like no watch me yeah right, walk right. alongside me yeah. as you're saying that i'm thinking i mean i know it's true in our family like, if your kids maybe don't know some of your big hopes and dreams and those things that almost have been pushed to the impossible side of the table like i think it would be i think it's important for us to share those things those things that maybe we're we're feeling like, man, this is, this is a possibility. This is something I'd like to do. This is maybe where I feel God calling me. Mm-hmm. I think it's okay, again, age appropriately and like sure. um, the discussions, like, but for them to know that there's things in your life that you're kind of waiting to see if that's, if that's the next direction. Yeah. Um, I, we've started, and I, I wish we had done it longer, but we've started with our kids having more of like a, a prayer list that we keep posted in our house, just kind of a way to visually kind of remind our kids of some people that we've committed to praying for, and we can put notes up as things happen, but just for them to understand that the longevity of um, kind of waiting and watching for God to move. And recently we had a, a friend on there that we were praying for healing and she, and she passed away. And, and my kids, as we talked about it, we're like, well, they're like, should we take her name down? And I said, well, like, no, well, why don't we add her family to that? Because even though that prayer didn't get answered the way we really hoped it would, mm-hmm. we can still continue to watch for God to be working and moving. And um, I think there's a bit of a perspective shift to that happens when we think about waiting as wasting time. Like, Sometimes I feel like we think, God is wasting my time. I don't understand why he's making me wait for this. And so as we can help even, uh, as we can do it ourselves, but also help our kids understand that waiting isn't necessarily wasting time. I don't believe we serve a God that wastes our time, wastes our resources, wastes our talent, wastes our experiences. So as we teach our kids and, and model for them how to use the experiences we're having now as we watch in anticipation 
for what comes next. I think that helps them to understand that it's not a wasted time. It's not a just sit here and wait for something else to happen, but it's a living sacrifice. It's a day after day yeah. doing the next right the thing, right the thing. next step forward. Yeah. Waiting is preparation. And for in my life, sometimes I hate to say it because I, I don't like to wait. I've said it over and over, but waiting has been the best preparation for me. And mm -hmm. so uh, some of you may be waiting. You're, you're waiting waiting for a relationship to heal. Yeah. Are you taking the next right step? Maybe you're waiting um, to, to, to serve in a ministry in a certain way or waiting for a different job or, you know, whatever you're waiting for. Uh, I would just suggest that... Um, that you use that waiting as preparation mm -hmm. and not just as a waste of time. Because I think that's good, Mark. God never wastes our time. Mm -hmm. God, 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 God's ways are different than ours, and we don't always understand, but God, God is always at work. And, uh, and sometimes we join his move in, in waiting. So, good. Good. Any thoughts, guys, before we close? I think that does All right. it. All right, Mara, why don't you close us out this week? Sure. All right, Heavenly Father, God, thank you so much for this time of discussion and reflection. Lord, I pray that um, our conversations, Lord, will not stop here, but will spur on others to be seeking um, where you are working in their lives, Lord, and that you will be spurring them on to action. Lord, um, show us the ways that we can move with you. Remind us of your constant presence and desire to be working in us and through us in the world around us. Lord, we desire to build your kingdom. We desire to be your kingdom. We want to be your church here in our community and in our world. And Lord, we know that we do that by partnering with you and by moving when you say to move. So Lord, give us boldness, give us courageous um, hearts that are willing to step out and walk in circles if that's what it takes, Lord, <laughs> until, um, until we see what you're up to. We love you in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Even get made fun of by French peas. Exactly. The slushies. Yes. Grape slushies. I know. I feel like we should, we, I wish we could play the song that keeps walking. Put clips in there. Edit clips in yeah. there. God bless. Bye.